welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Wasn't Easter wonderful together? Oh my goodness. It was so wonderful to see folks uh, light up to the presence of Jesus. Just an amazing time together and to, to feel and experience the Lord's presence among us. Just an amazing time together. Um, and so on the heels of Easter, I was praying on Monday. And I just thought, gosh, what happens next? You know, I had this picture in my mind of this woman who is in tears, and she came to faith here at our church um, uh, Easter Sunday. And I just had a picture of her in my head, and I just started praying, and I thought, well, what's next? And I started asking it as a question. What happens next after the resurrection of Jesus? And then the Lord started uh, uh, encouraging me to pray it as a statement. Here's what happens next in the story. And sort of viewing it as a question of, well, what happens after Jesus raises from the dead? Because there's still 40 days before he ascends into heaven. What's that look like in the gospel narrative? And what does that mean for us? What happens next? Here's what happens next. If you wanted to turn with me to Luke 24... If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. It would be our gift to you for free. They're on either side of the stage. You're welcome to come up at any time and grab one. Um, You can swipe there on your phone with the Bible app if you'd like. But we're going to continue in Luke for today. And then uh, Jason and Jeff throughout the following weeks are going to share with us a little bit more. You've got all kinds of stuff happening, right, in between the resurrection and the ascension. You've got some commission stuff happening. Jesus gathers people and says, go into all the world and make disciples. You've got doubting Thomas and his finger. Jesus says, feel the wound. Look look where I was pierced in my side. You've got all these appearances, breakfast with Jesus on the beach. Come on. Where did these fish come from? All of that. I wish fish came that easy for me. Um, Okay, so we're going to be in Luke 24, and we're going to start in verse 13. And we read this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and other rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they had him crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. 
And what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But uh, him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and, uh, in order to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Let's pause there. What's going on here? You've got two guys that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles. So that would be the equivalent of if we were to walk outside of these doors on this cold April day, come on, spring, get here already. If it snows on my birthday this Friday, I'm going to be mad. It would be, but, it, but somebody said to me this morning, it's Cleveland. What do you expect? He wasn't too surprised and I shouldn't be either. So, okay. So it would be like if we walked outside of these doors and walked over to Seven Hills, it's about se- seven hills is about seven miles from Parma Heights. So these guys are walking, and they're walking along, and these guys are sad. And they're without, and I know the narrative um, doesn't really, in the English translation, really doesn't connect a whole lot with that. But these guys are sad, they're sorrowful, they're confused. And they're walking away from Jerusalem, away from where Jesus was crucified, away from where Jesus raised from the dead. So here they go, they're walking along, and they're remembering. I've called the talk Remembering, Remembrance, and Revelation. They're talking about their memories together. Maybe they were recent memories like the text said about Jesus being crucified and, and the confusion about after they, the women saw the empty tomb. But they're talking about memories. Maybe some of these were older memories of Jesus, maybe three years old uh, when uh, they first started doing ministry together, living life together. But they're talking, they're remembering. Rockin'. They're remembering together, and they're sad. They're pretty sorrowful. And so along comes this stranger, and we're told in the text that it's Jesus himself. Now, how he comes along, we're not really told. Does he kind of just whoosh, like appear, and there he is? And we're told that the disciples, the two disciples here, are unaware They don't recognize that this is Jesus. Jesus, and I don't know how this works, that they're just kept from recognizing his presence. And a lot of times, we're the same way, aren't we? When we are in life, in the tough stuff of life sometimes, when we're struggling in life, when we are low in life, when we are feeling the pull, the tug, the pressure of life, 
circumstances happen to us that are beyond our control. We're being pressed from every angle. Sometimes we're like these disciples, and it's really difficult to recognize Jesus in the pain. It's difficult to recognize Jesus in pain. It's difficult to recognize Jesus in loss. It's difficult to recognize Jesus many times in our lives. When we're happy, when we're filled with joy, it seems to be that it's more easy to recognize Jesus' movement in our lives. But what this text teaches us is that Jesus walks with us in pain, and a lot of times we're unaware completely of the movement of God in our lives. Let's put it another way. 99% of the work of God in your life is undiscernible to the naked eye. 99% of what God is doing in your life, you can't see. I can't see. I can't see. Jesus, why can't I see? Why can't I see? Jesus, what gives? I'm suffering. Where are you? Where were you when I experienced abuse? Where were you in the pain of my failed marriage? Where were you in the loss of my child? Where were you in the loss of my parent? Where were you in the loss of my spouse? Where were you in the diagnosis of a terminal disease? Where are you? And even though we cry out, God, where are you? He still, even in our suffering, manages to be Emmanuel, God with us. With us in the pain. With us in the loss. And a lot of the stuff that God is doing in our lives, we can't recognize as his hand. We can't recognize him in it. Why is that? Why is that? Well, Paul says that we see, we see in part, we, we hear in part, we can't quite put the full puzzle together. We see like, dim, like dimly, like shadows, we can't see. One thing I love about spiritual direction, which there are several couples now who are doing spiritual direction in our church through the order of sustainable faith, which you can pick up a pamphlet back there at Vineyard Resources. And I'd love to answer more questions about spiritual direction for you because it's changed my life in a number of different ways. Having a spiritual director, and this is, this is what I appreciate about it, dusting for the fingerprints of God in your life. Where is God? Because a lot of times we can't hear that answer in ourselves, in our own hearts, we can't hear the answer to the question, God, where are you in my life? And we need someone, a companion, to come alongside of us who hears from the Holy Spirit to say, I see God in you. You see failure. I see God in you. And here's where I see God on the move in your life. That's what spiritual direction is all about. And that's what's going on here in this passage. 
Another thing that I notice here is that processing something, processing pain deeply without Jesus in the middle of it leads to more sorrow and more confusion. Doesn't it? How many times have you tried to figure out or fix the mysteries of life? Because we're not comfortable with mystery at all, are we? We like to have things figured out because we like control. We're all little control freaks. We're all little Herods running around on the throne looking to see where Jesus is to kill him. Ouch. But when we process without Jesus in the very center, without recognizing Jesus' presence, it just leads to more sorrow, more confusion. We can't process the deep things of God, the mysteries, the questions of our own hearts, of our own lives. Questions like, why did, why did that woman break my heart? Questions like these. Why, God, why did, why did my sister come down with cancer? terminally what why did you why did you take my child away from me and i'm still on the planet and yet my child has died we cannot process these things without jesus at the very center okay enough there let's move on the meal in the main course the meal in the main course. Verse 28, check it. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus act as, acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Ah, I love this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Come on. And he disappeared from their sight. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? Okay, what's happening here? The meal and the main course. In verse 29, when we read, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. This is awesome. This blew my heart up this week. The Greek verb for urged him strongly it, it means to twist someone's arm. So, context again. Imagine what's happening here. So Jesus just unfolds everything before them. They still don't recognize him. They're walking. They're walking along. Here's Moses, the prophets. The Messiah has to suffer. Bam, 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 bam. And the disciples said their hearts are burning within them. Like, we don't know who, like, can you imagine him walking? Imagine yourself walking as a disciple with Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus, him explaining the mysteries of the universe to you, and you're like, this dude's amazing. Who is this guy? Like, I want to hang out with this guy all the time. Oh my gosh, what is going on in my heart? And they get to the house, and Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to um, keep on 
going. But he knew the whole time, right, that he was going to stay with them. I'm going to keep on going. They're like, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Like, you have to, like, you have to, you have to stay here. Like, don't, like, come eat with us. Like, don't go anywhere. That's what it's like to twist somebody's arm, begging him to stay and to eat. And then the main course. Then Jesus gets up and breaks bread. And they're like, can you imagine the look on the disciples' faces when he breaks bread and gives thanks? Just like the Last Supper. The language is identical to the Last Supper narrative. Can you see their eyes? Like the depression, the sorrow is like, oh, like they were calling the women lunatics. The tomb is empty. This angel appeared and said that Jesus is alive. You're crazy. We're going to Emmaus. <laughs> is what happened. Then he breaks the bread. Oh my gosh. It's him. It's Jesus. They recognize him. Something falls away from their eyes and they can see that it's their Jesus. It's him. And what we learn from here is that Jesus reveals himself when he reveals himself. It's his timing in your life, whether you're going through pain or joy right now, or a mixture of both, right? Because joy and sorrow mingled. Sometimes it's bittersweet and that's okay. That you will see Jesus in that when he's ready to reveal himself. The only way, the only way, if, if you know of another way, please let me know, because I don't know any other way to know Jesus than for the Holy Spirit to reveal him, him to us first. We never get to dictate the terms with God. We never get to dictate the terms of how God chooses to reveal himself to us. Why, why didn't Jesus reveal himself on the road to Emmaus before the meal? What was it about the timing of the meal, of communion, where Jesus said, now is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. It's a strange little story within the larger story of Jesus revealing himself to people who are finding themselves in a state of confusion, disillusionment, sorrow, sadness. And the cool thing was, was that Jesus was always there with him even before they didn't recognize who he was. Jesus was there with them, even when they didn't recognize who he was. Verses 32 through 35. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up 
and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon or Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, hold on a second. The trip to Emmaus, or okay, the trip to Seven Hills. We're walking to Seven Hills. It's seven miles. How long does it take? Who's a walker? How long does it take to walk seven miles? I'm, you can tell I don't walk seven miles. <laughs> How long does it take to walk a mile? Two to three hours to walk one mile? Seven. 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> and the people said, amen. Okay. Two, two to three hours to walk this distance. Yes? This is happening. Follow me on this. This is, this is brilliant. Because we skip over it real quick. Two to three hours after Jesus has already risen from the grave. They don't know it yet. So it's happening on Easter Sunday. All of this is happening on Easter Sunday. The text says that they arrive in Seven Hills. Emmaus. They arrive arrive in Emmaus in the evening. Watch. Jesus breaks bread, they receive communion, and the text says that they go at once back to Jerusalem at night. And they make it back at night. So the Bible's either wrong or what the heck is going on here. Some people believe that there's something in that bread. Mm Mm-hmm. That when the resurrected Jesus serves his body, we don't know. But we are human and we know that it takes, some of you may walk seven miles in two hours, but I'm thinking for me, it's taken me at least four (laughs) with water breaks and potty breaks. The same night. They arrived back in Jerusalem. So now we're back in Parma Heights. The same night after communion. And the value here, watch, is that sometimes journeys that start in sadness, in confusion, in sorrow... In a seven-mile drudgery to Emmaus, watch, can conclude in a seven-mile backtrack to Zion that's filled with hope and peace and hugs and joy in Jesus' presence. What they didn't recognize on the way to Emmaus In Jesus' presence, they leave Emmaus feeling freed up because they've met with Jesus. 
There's gold in that for us. That movement always follows revelation. When Jesus reveals himself to any of us, look how much movement is in here. Check it. The two men are going, are going, 2413. Jesus came near and went with them, went with them, 2415. They came near, 2428. Jesus walked ahead of them, 2428. He went in to stay with, stay with them, 2429. He vanished from their sight, 31. They got up and returned to Jerusalem, 33. Some of the verbs tell of movements made by Jesus and others tell of the two men. Either way, both Jesus and his followers are now on the move. That's the way it is. Jesus is on the move and we're on the move with him. The moves are being made. They have a purpose and the purpose is to tell the story of Jesus and to have fellowship or communion with Jesus and others and share it with others. That's what it means to be the church. We are a living organism. We're not an organization, so to speak. Um, We're a living, breathing organism that Jesus is working through to bring life to our city. And lastly, I just want to close with burning hearts. Because that verse is enough. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me and a personal favorite for me. But this verse, personally for me, has meant the world in some pretty dark spaces in my life over the past. And will keep you going if you allow the word to like sink in. Burning hearts. This verse, listen, you don't have to do anything. You can just receive in this. Listen, they ask each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This joy, this journey that began in sorrow and confusion concludes in joy and burning hearts and hope fulfilled. The road to Emmaus teaches us that a journey that begins there can end somewhere else, even though they're back where they started. Weren't our hearts burning within us the whole time? Weren't our hearts burning within us the whole time means that he doesn't abandon us. Jesus walks with us and encourages encourages us to remember the truth about who he is, that he suffered as well. He was tempted just like us, and he overcame hell in the grave to reveal how much he loves us. So our hearts burn within us this morning. Our, we, are, we are the burning heart people. Mm-hmm. Those of us who claim Jesus, who claim the resurrected Jesus, our hearts burn. And they yearn 
with statements like he's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. I don't have to live in hopelessness. He's risen indeed. My mourning lasts through the night, but his joy comes. He's risen indeed. Any day with you is better than the best day without you. A seven-mile walk to Emmaus filled with sadness just might end in a joy-filled seven-mile backtrack sprint to Zion, the place of God's presence. In Emmaus, the disciples were filled with sadness and confusion when they finally recognized Jesus miss him sometimes because our lives don't feel happy, but he's right there walking with us in the sadness. Weren't our hearts burning within us the whole time? Even in the pain, weren't our hearts burning within us? And if there's one thing that the road to Emmaus teaches us, it's that we can't see. We can't see Jesus apart from him revealing himself to us first. And he shows us himself in such a wonderful way. He shows us that he's lovely, that our heart, the burning in our hearts is affirmed by the presence of Jesus, that he is all that he says he is. He is lovely. He is wonderful. His timing is perfect. It's impeccable. He'll always show up on time, never too early, never too late. Exactly. It's like Gandalf says, a wizard is never late. Jesus, the master, is never late. He arrives precisely when he means in our lives. Why don't you join me in standing? Jeff's going to come lead us in worship. And this is a song um, that was written right here out of our, our congregation Um, And it's about meeting with Jesus at the table. Meeting with Jesus at the table. And we've already received communion this morning. But if you could, if you could go within yourself and, and meet with the Lord. Lord, where is my heart burning within me to meet with you? Where, where do I, where can I not see your activity in my life. Show, show me, reveal yourself to me, Lord. And maybe some of you, as we begin to worship, you just want to come forward. This is at our church, we like to call this ministry time where you can have a time with God. This isn't like altar call, like embarrass you time, like you feel at some churches. This is, Ministry time, this is the church being the church. So I want to invite some of you forward. Just, you can begin coming. Maybe it's not something I said at all, but God is dealing with you in, in, in an area that I didn't even speak about. You want to receive, you want to receive, you just want to know God is with you. God, Emmanuel.